He danced in everything from Mr. Mistopheles in Cats to Freddie Mercury in Queen at the Ballet, Caesar in Cleopatra, Seno Bellini in The Two Pigeons and Door King in Daphne and Chloe. He has produced and choreographed ballets in Port Elizabeth, Peter Marksburg, Harare, Windhoek and Cape Town. He's the one, the only ballet master, Robin Van Vick. Van Vick. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today. I've been very lucky to be trained by Robin as many ballet dancers in Cape Town have. So it's very special to have you here today. Right, let's jump right into it. When, where and why did you start dancing? Um, my grandparents were very, um, they wanted to expose us to a lot of culture. So we used to go to the theater from when we were about six. And I saw Dawn Weller dance in La Fille Magade at six years old. And apparently my grandparents said I sat holding the chair with such enthusiasm. And at the end of the performance, I just said, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And uh, two weeks later, I was enrolled with the Brenda McLaughlin School of Dance in Peter Marisburg. Crazy. Yeah. Six years old is very young to... To decide that's what you want to do. And then from there, was it was it always that? It was always that. It was going to be a career. There was kind of no stopping me. I knew at that age that I wanted to do ballet. That's amazing. And so you danced in Peter Marisburg for how long? Um, till I was about 17. And then I went to UCT School of Dance. And I was trained by Dudley Tomlinson and Professor Trichand, along with other teachers at the school. Yeah. But um, I think when you're growing up and you're the only boy in a studio, um, you get teased a lot and there's lots of um, stuff coming at you. But yeah. I was very stoic in my journey. I knew what I had to do. So I had uh, lots of friends defend me on the soccer field, oh. girls punching boys if they were teasing me. But when I got to ballet school in Cape Town, um, it was so amazing to dance with 17 other boys. Wow. And you kind of then only were trained as a male dancer. Yeah. And I often encourage uh, female teachers who have boys to send them to male teachers. Mm. It's a completely different experience. Yeah. Learning ballet with a male teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So ballet and then cats. How did that come about your life path? Um, you know, a ballet career is very short. By the time you're 40, it's finished. So, um, and you know that as a dancer. So I had set goals for myself and I had to be a soloist by the time I was 25 and I had to be a principal when I was 30 and I wasn't given that. So I said, I can't do this anymore. So I, Peter Turin was auditioning for Cats and um, I'd never sung before and I'd never been in the world of musical theater. So I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But um, I went along and they were very happy with me. And Joe Ann Robinson said, are there more of you? And I said, what do you mean? She says, this is a ballet dancing musical. And we need strong, classically trained dancers. So I said, yes, there's a whole ballet company in Cape Town. So um, Peter Surin then approached Elizabeth, who was our CEO and he said, I'm going to help your ballet company financially if you send more dancers to be in Cats. So six of us got into Cats from Cape Town City Ballet. That's amazing. Um, in the second day, 
Joe said, you're not going to sing. And I kind of went, what? I'm in a musical, I'm not going to sing. I did sing Happy Birthday for my audition, so maybe that had part <laughs> to do with it. Um, she just said there weren't enough strong enough dancers to dance through the entire show. So I mm. became a mute cat. So a lot of the time the performers went to do the singing rehearsals. She would just rehearse me in huge chunks of the Jellica ball. And oh, wow. So it was a very hard physical show for me. Yeah, well, you're um, doing more than you're supposed to, and Kat is already hectic. Yes, but I loved every minute of it. She taught me so much about production and lighting and acting and the use of the entire body and the face, mm. that performance is not just a stuck-on smile and a twinkly eye. You know, the whole body must project and be able to pass the footlights. And that entire experience for four years was just incredible. And every time we moved cities, I danced in 13 cities of the world. Um, it just got better and got richer, and she found new levels of finding your character. I remember once I was so tired in Kuala Lumpur, and she said, right, everybody put on their tails. We're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to sniff each other and <laughs> lie down and wake up like cats. And I went, seriously? <laughs> This is now year three. If I have to sniff another tail, why not just go and practice some other second turns in the corner? <laughs> but, um, yeah, she was just the most incredible person. And to watch young artists grow with her guidance was amazing. That's awesome. That's so cool. And Katz is like, I don't know, being Atlanta, like everyone seemed to be in Katz. That's how you all know each other. This was like the thing that brought this whole industry together. Yeah, I think it was the first huge international production that yeah. Peter Trimian had bought. So all the bells and whistles were going and um, the set was imported and we were wearing costumes of performers from Australia and the UK. So it was such a buzz, you know, and it was an incredible experience. And meeting people like Dwayne and Anton and they were so young and, mm. and where they are today and we've yeah. been friends for so long and just watching their journey along with my journey in the industry has just been phenomenal. Yeah. You know. Right. Did you start out your career wanting to choreograph or was that something that all organically developed? Um, it fascinated me from when I was about 11. Uh, we got to the studios in Natal were invited to choreograph something mm. so all kids could do something and I did a solo as a pirate with a saber and a hat and everything. And I I got 92% for this and I was suddenly bitten by this bug. Mm. And then the next year I entered again and I created a whole corps de ballet of girls. And I had my grand make skirts from curtaining and it was just so fascinating. And it's, it's abs an absolute passion of mine. So I've been doing it since I was very young. My partner, Johnny, always says he doesn't know how I do it so fast and it just comes out of me. At the moment, I'm working on Aladdin mm. for Peter Maritzburg. It'll be my sixth ballet for KZN Youth yeah. Ballet. And I've done half the ballet already in two weeks. And it's, it's something I really, really enjoy more than teaching class. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an excellent teacher too. That's crazy <laughs> that you choreograph so fast. Do you feel like like new stuff just mm -hmm. arrives in your brain like what's process like 
for you? I'm inspired by film. Okay. I love watching movies and how the director creates a scene and and to kind of transport that and transpose that into ballet because mm-hmm. there are no words. You just yeah. have dance and your body. So I love watching films and particularly period drama mm-hmm. and how they handle a scene and how it's costumed and directed and produced. It really um, affects how I tell stories on stage with dance and music. That's so cool. I didn't know that about you, Robs. Wow. Right. You've now achieved one of the highest teaching qualifications in RAD Ballet. How important is specialized how important is specialization in the creative world? Um, I think the most important thing is artists. We must never stop wanting to learn. I think if you have settled and you've decided you've arrived, then you should give up. Yeah. Um, especially in dance, it's constantly evolving. Ballet has come such a long way. It's become such an athletic sport. Mm-hmm. And a dan- the body is an instrument that has to be constantly nurtured and improved on. And along with improving technique, you've got to know how to look after a dancer's body and your own body. Mm-hmm. It's your instrument. So... Constantly learning and educating yourself in that is very, very important. Um, I was brought up with the Royal Academy of Dance since I was six. I did pre-primary when I was six, and I got my solo skill when I was 18. And I only became a qualified teacher about four years ago, but I'd always been teaching. Yeah. It was during lockdown, so um, everybody hated being stuck at home. I was loving it because I got to study online. Yeah. And then they invited us to audition to become examiners. And I thought, that's for old people. You know, it's something a little old lady sits behind a desk and marks (laughs) you with a blanket on her knees, you know. But um, so many people encouraged me to do it. And um, I got through the audition process and went to London for six weeks to train as an examiner. And, oh, my goodness, it was like, you were at the fountain of knowledge wow. and a whole different experience on how to teach children. And I've come back so much more enriched from it. And I'm so glad I did it. Mm. But it was very hard. And you're seeing different things now. You know, yeah. you teach, but you're seeing it from the other side. You're seeing it from what the examiner is looking for. Yeah. And that has been an incredible experience. Yeah. What was the, what was the um, greatest thing you learned while, while you were in London? Um, I think because it's not a physical job, you're sitting, yeah. your brain is working so hard mm. and there's a time frame with into mark something mm. like advanced one has 55 minutes mm. and all those steps and all those exercises have to be watched, observed and marked Yeah, in that short frame of yeah. time. And it is taxing on the brain. Yeah. So you start at 10 o'clock and a half past five, you finish. And I was exhausted mentally. Yeah. I mean, you're watching literally every part of the body, every step, everything. Because a child comes into an exam prepared. They are delivering yeah. an exercise. So you're actually looking for things that are not in accordance with technique or musicality or performance. Mm. So you have to watch it with a complete critical eye. Yet at the same time, is it good? Is it very good? Is it fair? 
is it adequate? Yeah. So you've got to keep, you know, you, you the minute she starts or he starts dancing, you have to completely like switch on and there's no time for exhaustion. There's no time for thinking of other things. You have to be completely focused on that dancer mm. performing that exercise. Do you like the discipline of ballet? I love it. Yeah. I love it. I think a lot of children um, shy away from it. Mm. You, know, you get all the 600 little pre-primaries dressed in pink. And by the time they're 13 and 14, the class is down to three. Yeah. It's much easier to do hip-hop or modern. Yeah. So it is a... It's an all-defining art form, mm. and it is demanding, and there's no in-between color. Ballet yeah. can only be black or white. Yeah. It's got to be done a certain way. Yeah. There's no compromise. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I only did ballet growing up, mm. even though it is my weakest dance form, but I love <laughs> that, like, I knew what I was working towards, and it was such a challenge for me. Like, I loved how difficult it was to do a plie. I was like, and I'm going to work this plie. Whereas, like, my sisters or my friends, like, naturally were better at ballet. So they're bored of it, and they stopped doing it long before I did. I'm like, I'm still perfecting the plie, you know? So I love ballet in that sense. Like, it's so, it's like you know what you're working towards. And it's, I mean, literally standing at the bar. You can do a plie, just like a plie, or you can do the plie. There's so many components to a good plie. Yeah. I think it was because I had a difficult body. I didn't have great feet. I didn't have natural turnout. <laughs> I didn't have natural extension. So I love teaching kids who are less talented because mm. I like to bring out something they didn't even know they had. Yeah. And that's what's the true um, goal and enjoyment of teaching. Yeah. Kids experience, wow, I can actually do this, but in a different way. Yeah. And it'll still be good. Yeah. Compared to the kids who have all this natural facility. It's like... And they get bored quickly. Yeah. yeah. Ballet can be boring if you've got the perfect ballet body. So, yeah. I don't know. Very cool. Right. What have been your favorite shows to choreograph? Um, I think, like getting into a ballet company and aspiring to be a principal, mm. I think every classical choreographer has a ballet they would like to put their stamp on yeah. and mine was Romeo and Juliet so the music the Prokofiev score tells the story so beautifully and I wasted a long time to get that opportunity I'd choreographed a lot of children's ballets and mm. one act ballets and then Elizabeth Trichard said I think we should do Romeo and Juliet for Maynardville and I said Maynardville is an outdoor theater I'm going to have no set she said that's going to be your challenge and I just loved every moment of that experience. I mean, I had incredible dancers in front of me. I had Laura yeah. Bosenberg and oh. Thomas and Revel and Rosamund Ford and Kim Vera. And every ballerina wants to do Juliet. Yeah. Everybody wants to fall in love and die within an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, Not just the ballerinas. <laughs> yes. And the whole company loved the experience. Yeah. And we, I created it while we were performing Nutcracker and so busy but mm -hmm. everybody was loving being a part of this new um, project yeah with no set so the a massage bed became the bed that Romeo and Juliet woke up on and then at the end it became her tomb oh, crazy. and we covered it in the correct fabric and we cut the legs off and that the men could carry her on it and there were actually only three pieces of furniture in the whole ballet. That's crazy. And they had to tell the story. 
but that's a good challenge like it's so it's fun it's to work like that because then also the cast gets so excited as well because they're like how can we see this as this you know and it then can be done anywhere yeah so you can still add a set to it like we did at the Grahamstown Festival yeah six months later we added the magnificent set mm. from the K-Pap ballet of Veronica Paper. Mm. And yet at the same time at the Ode Libertas, six months later, we went back to the stripped down version. Three pieces of furniture. And it worked perfectly again. So that for me was my legacy ballet. Aww. And then also doing um, a one-act ballet to, um, what is the composer? I called it romance, but I cannot, I cannot get... Rachmaninoff, the piano concerto. Yeah. So I spoke to the orchestra, the Cape Town Orchestra, and I said, I want to do this ballet with full orchestra. And they said, Robin, you do know that. No one's ever played all three movements. It's 35 minutes of yeah. piano. Yeah. He does not rest. We've always just done one. And I said, well, there must be somebody who wants to do all three of these yeah. pieces. And Francois at UCT, what is Francois' surname? He's a lecturer there. He actually said, I'd like to take this on. And when he decided to do it, I said, right, we're taking the orchestra out of the pit and putting them on the stage. And they became the background to the oh, ballet. amazing. And it was just the most incredible experience. That's so cool. Mm. You found someone that was willing to play the whole thing for you. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and what's your favorite role that you've danced? Uh, James in La Sophide. It's a ballet set in the Scottish Highlands. Mm -hmm. And um, he falls in love with a ethereal creature, a sylph. And um, he cannot touch her. Because if he touches her, she'll die. So the whole ballet, you're dancing with this girl that you cannot touch. And there's so much emotion to it and the most incredible incredible choreography and the most powerful yet sad story mm. and the evil uh, protagonist in the story is Madge the witch and James kicks her out of his house mm. and in her revenge she creates this beautiful scarf and he says to James you can catch the sylph with the scarf but the scarf is poisoned and mm. it kills her it is one of the most beautiful roles to dance yeah mm. do you think that there's like a um, I don't know what's the word like fake news about ballet like that you can't perform it's not like acting because I feel like a lot of people just think like dancing it perfectly is enough and then like for me you're one of my favorite ballet dancers because you like are such a performer and tell the story yeah I, uh, dance is so dimensional mm. you there's technique yeah there's uh, musicality but performance overrides all of that. Yeah. And some kids are born with it. They yeah. have a natural, beautiful understanding of filling space yeah. without actually doing anything. Others you have to True. teach. And um, I remember when I was reading Kenneth Macmillan's biography and he'd written Romeo and Juliet on Lynn Seymour. And just before she decides to go to the fryer to get the poison, uh, she sat and held the edge of the bed and she did nothing for 64 bars of music. And she just stared into the audience. And then Margot Fontaine got to do it. And she said, I can't do this. You have to give me steps. I cannot sit here and stare at the audience. But Lynn Seymour was such an incredible actress. Yeah. 
she knew what to do with space and time. Yeah. And I think uh, when you meet a ballerina who can do that. It's, it's got both. It's the most it's, magical thing to watch. It's like putty in a choreographer's hand. Yeah. And, you know, you create steps and then she knows what to do to the next step or she does the lift on one side of the stage. Yeah. And she knows how to transform her body and her shape to move into the next thing. Yeah, it's incredible. And that's just incredible to work with a muse like that. Yeah. How do you bring out performance in the more technical robotic dances? It takes gentle guidance because you can break a dancer down trying to pull that out. Yeah, yeah. And as a director, I always sat in the auditorium and watched. I'm going, how can I get that kid to perform that it passes the footlights? Yeah. That it's not just dancing steps and she thinks she's acting mm-hmm. but it's it's just it's not crossing it's not coming out of it it's almost not sincere yeah and that's what you've got to try and bring out of dancers a father once came to me and he said i want you to train my daughter for six hours a day like the williams sisters the tennis stars mm-hmm. i want you to perfect the backhand but obviously her tendre ron de jam yeah She's going to be homeschooled, and this is the challenge. And I just said, no, your daughter has to experience life. She has to go to school. She has to make friends. She has to fall in love. She has to have her first kiss. Yeah. There is so much that's going to evolve in her to become a ballerina. Yeah. Other than a tondu or a rondu yeah. Because if you take her away from her friends, from school, from society itself and you box her into backhand for six hours yeah she's not going to be able to express juliet be nothing there she won't yeah. express giselle or she won't be the sugar plum fairy she'll just be a backhanded ballerina exactly wow no. love you rob's well that was robin the creative um come back in two weeks to find out more about robin the professional all right bye <laughs>